Good morning. If you have a copy of God's Word, you can open this morning to 1 Peter chapter 5, and we'll start with verse 5. Well, let, me, let, me, let me start with verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 through 7. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time that we've had this morning to lift our voices, to hear your word uh, read this morning. Thank you for the wonderful truths that we've been reminded of this morning in Psalm 118 and in the songs that we've sung this morning. The wonderful truths that we are just clothed and saturated in the love of God because we are in Christ Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for the, the privilege that we have to worship together, to, to gather corporately as the local church and to, to praise you together, to, to be involved in each other's lives, um, to be committed to one another for the glory of your name. <clears throat> so, Lord, I pray now that as we as we dig into your word and as we seek to understand your truth, to understand you in greater ways, to understand your will for our life, Lord, I pray that you would have your way with us and that you would take your word and that you would convince us in our minds and in our hearts of the truth and the good of it. Everything you command of us is for our good. And so, Lord, I pray that that would be instilled in our hearts this morning and that we would praise you through the preaching and teaching of your word. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. So last week we looked at verses one through four. This morning we pick up in verse five as Peter continues with his train of thought for the church. And he says, likewise, you who are younger be subject to the elders Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So we see Peter here starts with the word likewise. And in this epistle, Peter has used this word likewise as a word that transition, transitions us from one group to the next. 
in this verse, he's transitioning from the elders and he's transitioning to the church as a whole. And so to all of us as members of the church. And so what he says this morning, he's saying to the elders as well, but he's saying it to the whole, the church as a whole. Because elders shepherd elders as well. Elders have a responsibility to shepherd each other as much as we do the church. There is no member of the church without oversight, um, nor without an example. And so the previous passage applied to elders, Peter exhorting and commanding the elders to shepherd the flock of God, and now Peter turns to the flock of God. And he commands that they be shepherded willingly. So he's commanded the shepherds to shepherd willingly. Not, not under compulsion, but willingly. And now he turns to the church and he says, now church, be shepherded willingly. And so this passage applies to us all. The elders are not to lord authority over God's people. We saw that last week but rather be an example to the flock. They are to lead and exercise their authority by being an example, by teaching, not by using authoritarian methods and bypassing people. And so it is this that gives balance to the minister's or the pastor's authority. But at the same time, the flock of God is to subject themselves to the authority of the elders. It's a mutual relationship, both to be willingly done. And so we notice right off where Peter says, likewise, he targets a certain group in his first command. He says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. The imperative here, the, the imperative verb, the command here is to be subject. <clears throat> so likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. This is, this is obviously not a new command in this epistle. Uh, as a matter of fact, we should be quite familiar with it by now. Now that we're in chapter 5, we're fam we should be familiar with this command to be subject or to subject ourselves. Previously, we've been taught and commanded to subject ourselves to every human institution, Peter says. To our employers, we're to subject ourselves, and wives to their husband. And here, those who are younger are to be subject to the elders. God has chosen and ordained the elders to be leaders among the flock of God. And therefore, the elders' leadership is to be esteemed, we're taught, recognized, acknowledged, honored, followed, obeyed, and subjected to. And so to, to subject yourself biblically is to willingly place yourself under the oversight and direction of the ones you are to subject yourself to. So that it's a willing submission to the leadership God has called you to place yourself under. In this case, it is to the elders of the church. <clears throat> So I want to ask a couple of questions of this command. Why is this command given to younger believers? 
why is this command given to younger believers? And, and on top of that, does this mean that older believers are not to subject themselves to the elders? And to the second question, the answer is no. Does, does the command to the younger to subject themselves negate uh, the older believers from subject, subjecting themselves to the elders? And the answer to that is no. The elders have already been charged, as we've seen last week, to exercise oversight over the whole church, to, which means to oversee, to manage the entire flock of God that is in their charge. Many other passages, when the church is addressed, it is it, the church as a whole is told to submit themselves to the elders so that it would be advantageous for the church. You remember that passage in Hebrews 13. And so the church is also uh, uh, admonished to imitate their elders. So, so why does Peter direct this command to the younger believers of the church? If it's not to just say, hey, these are the, this is the only category that's to subject themselves, why does Peter direct this command to the younger believers of the church? And so that, quite frankly, it's because it is typically the younger generation that imagines that they know it all. Anybody remember those days? Some, some maybe, just a few people? Okay. I, I remember, I don't remember the exact age, but I remember a time in my life where I immediately started seeing my parents as much wiser than I saw them before, right? Um, God puts things into your life and certain responsibilities in your life, and you start realizing, hey, you know what? I think my parents know a whole lot more than I gave them credit for, uh, when I was younger. It, Peter directs this command because typically the younger generation imagines they know it all and that they have it all figured out. They are typically the ones who balk um, at the traditions of the older generation. They are typically the ones who think taking instruction or heaven forbid correction equates with weakness and and not that older people don't not that we don't still struggle with that but i think primarily it's a struggle when you're younger and you're trying to establish yourself as an adult and you're trying to establish yourself with some authority and some responsibility and some freedom and so there's a certain way in which you want to portray yourself in order to make everyone think that you have everything under control and so it's quite often uh, the younger generation that, that don't want advice. They want you to think they've got it figured out. Somehow taking advice or needing advice or needing instruction or needing correction would not only equate with weakness, but somehow it would prove that they are lesser than they think they should be thought of. And when in fact, in, in reality, it just proves the fallen human condition that we all suffer. We all need counsel. We, none of us are in control. None of us know what's going to happen the, in the next minute from now. None of us have things under control None of us have everything figured out. All of us 
fall short of the glory of God. All of us need counsel. All of us need the Holy Spirit working within us, both to will and to do. And we need each other because iron sharpens iron. <clears throat> so this is a targeted command that directs itself at those who struggle with submitting themselves to any authority. And Peter is exhorting them to pay attention and subject themselves to the elders. And he's doing this while they're at the stage of life that they don't think they need to. And so he's commanding this, he's commanding this to them so that they will heed instruction, so that they will heed advice, so that they will submit themselves to those who, when we were young, we didn't think they were wiser, but are actually wiser. Those who have, have been uh, taught and studied the scriptures, those who have experienced God's faithfulness. And so Peter's commanding this so that they do it until they understand they need to do it. Right? That's, that's a lot of parenting is trying to, to, to have your children do the things they need to do until they realize and understand that it's actually good for them to do. And so Peter is commanding the younger believers, the younger people in the church to be sure to subject themselves to the elders who care for their souls who care about their life, who care about the decisions they make. And subjection is not easy. It's not easy. It takes, it takes concentration, it takes effort to subject yourself to authority. It takes a deliberate decision to subject yourself to someone. It, it's not natural for us to subject ourselves to any authority. It takes, it takes a deliberate decision to subject yourself to someone else. But the thing about it is, this is what Scripture commands of us all. To subject ourselves. And this is what Scripture is demanding here. And so, in order to subject ourselves, there are certain behaviors that we must have. And so he not only says, listen, you, you younger people, subject yourselves to the elders. Like, train yourselves while you're young to subject yourself to authority, right? I, I say this in parenting. Parents, we should be teaching our children to have discipline and self-control so that they can receive discipline from the ones who love them before they get out of the house and receive discipline from people who don't love them. Because once you step out of the house and need discipline, it's coming from people who don't know who you are and don't care where you're going. It's just their job to enforce the law. And so it's, it's right and it's godly for young people to learn how to subject themselves to authority so that they can create habits in their life that make it easier for them humanly speaking, to subject themselves to God. 
A, a child who cannot subject themselves to their parents is not subjecting themselves to God. And so it's, it's critical for not only parents, but it's critical for young people to realize the blessing and benefit that God is commanding here. It's not for the purpose of being a killjoy. Everything that God commands us is for our good and our eternal benefit. And we should not balk at what God commands us to do. God is saying this for your protection and for your blessing and for your temporal good and your eternal good. God is commanding this. So Peter goes on after saying, uh, subject yourself, you younger people, be, subject, be subject to the elders. He says there's something else that you need to do, and it's critical for us to do these things in order for us to subject ourselves. So here we, we see two commands for the entire church. He says, clothe yourselves all of you. So now he's bringing everyone in. Clothe yourselves is the imperative verb, the command. It's a picture of one wrapping themselves with an apron for work. It's not easy. It's not easy to do. It goes against the very sin nature that we still battle every day to subject yourself because our sin nature wants us to be Lord. We want to be Lord of our life. That's the sin nature. We want to be Lord. We don't want anyone to tell us what to do. We don't want anyone to tell us wrong. We have it figured out. We should be Lord of our life because we know what's best. Praise God that he doesn't allow us that. But to clothe yourselves is a picture of one wrapping themselves with an apron for work. It's, it's what Jesus did as he prepared to stoop down and wash his disciples' feet. The sovereign Lord of the universe clothed himself with the apron of humility and served his disciples. Imagine that. Anytime we feel like stooping low is beneath us, we need to remind ourselves of what the Lord of the universe who spoke and things that did not exist came into existence in order to obey him, what he did to stoop and clothe himself with humility for his people, his creation. Those who are younger, along with everyone else, we are to clothe ourselves with humility toward one another. Humility is lowliness of mind. It, it is to offer oneself as lowly and submissive. It's to walk in a spirit of lowliness. It's to present oneself as lowly and low-lying in mind, to be of low degree and low rank. In other words, not to be high-minded or proud or haughty, or arrogant, or assertive, overly assertive. A humble person may have a high position. A humble person may have a high position. They, they may have much power. They may have much wealth. 
They may have much fame. They have, may have much of, of many things, but he or she carries them sp- in themselves in a spirit of lowliness and submission. That's what clothing yourselves with humility is. A person who has humility denies themselves for the sake of Christ and in order to help others. And humility is not something you just step into. Humility is developed. It's a virtue that's, that's developed in our, in our life. It's one of the most difficult of all virtues. It really is. And, and I, think, I think partly because we, we so, our sin nature so supposes that value is, true value is in how others perceive us. And so we convince ourselves that being lowly would give off a perception of us having no value. But real value is finding your union in Christ. And in Christ, we're eternally righteous because of him. And righteousness is the only value that doesn't fade. Because gold and jewelry and all the things of this earth will fade away. Humility is one of the most difficult of all all virtues. Here's the thing. As soon as you think you have it, you lost it. That's tough, isn't it? (laughs) As soon as you think you have humility, you've lost it. What what does Peter mean here to clothe ourselves with humility? We we know what humility is. We know what clothing yourselves is. But he, he doesn't mean that someone is to feel humble or or to merely pray for humility, what what Peter's saying here is he's saying, live it out. Put it on. Yes, we pray for it. Yes, we seek to develop it. But that's not all we do. We have to put it on, and we have to exercise humility in order to develop humility. And I can look at myself 20 years ago, and I can some, I cringe, you know, as I think of some attitudes that I had and, and what I thought of myself, and I kind of cringe. But here's where it shouldn't stop. Man, I'm so much better now. That's not humility, right? Because I think I have humility. It's, it's, man, I have so much farther to go, right? Because Christ is the standard. He means, Peter means that no one is to think themselves more important than the other. We don't walk into the church and feel like somehow some title or some, some role that we have in the church has somehow entitled us to, to be better than anyone else in the church. We are all equal in God's eyes. God is no respecter of men. And anything that we are and anything we have has come from his hand anyway. Anyway. 
And so no one is to think themselves more important than the other. No one is to think that their needs are more important than the needs of others. No one is to think they should be listened to with greater importance than any other. We are to see ourselves as equals and each one of us as equally important, not only to God, but also to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. This does not mean that there can be no one that is listened to with greater esteem in what they say due to maybe their, their exampled godly character or wisdom, um, years of faithful service to the Lord. But wisdom and godly character doesn't equal greater importance in personal equity before God. It does not. And when we forget that, I think we start we start getting into this ivory tower Christianity where you have to come down levels, right, to get to the common people, if you will. We are all equal in God's eyes and equally valuable to him and his church. Whether you're male or female, rich or poor, young or old, we are all equal in God's eyes. And as a believer, as, as someone who is in Christ, Every single person has been gifted and is to use their gifts for the benefit of the body and therefore equally important. Different roles, maybe, but equally important. And the church suffers when everyone is not pulling their weight, if you will, or using their gifts for the church. Every believer is unique to God and has a very special gift and contribution to make to the world, and to the church. All believers are, are to subject themselves to one another, to each one's uniqueness and gift. All believers are to acknowledge, respect, and honor one another. There should be mutual respect among us all, mutual love, mutual honor among us all, because God is gifted each one of us. And without humility, one will never subject themselves to anyone. Because we really do struggle with, with thinking that perceived value is real value. It's a struggle in all of us. But with, with wisdom and godly character and God working in our lives, we that that thinking, hopefully, Lord willing, starts shedding, and we, we don't see ourselves in that light anymore. Perceived value is not value. It's not real value. What real value is, is what, how God evaluates us. He's the judge of true value. And without humility, without overcoming the fear of being perceived as valueless, we won't have humility. And without humility, we will not subject ourselves to anyone. And Peter tells us here why this is so important. It's very important that we do this. He says, 
Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility for one another because, because there's a reason, because of something. And he says, because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. As Christians, we ought to be the loudest about knowing that we don't ever want to be in opposition to God again. God, it says here, God resists the proud. God does not like us being prideful and arrogant and haughty. And so he resists the proud. He stands against all who look down upon others, who feel superior to others, who discriminate against others, who are prejudiced, who are boastful, who are haughty. God opposes the proud. He opposes the proud. All who oppress others, no matter who they are, he opposes them. That's, that's strong language. That word opposes is a very strong word. It's the picture of an army being set up to face an enemy. That's what that word means. So when, God, when it says God opposes the proud, God sets his army against you when you're proud. He sets his military forces against you to resist you because he does not like pride. Marvin Vincent said this, Pride calls out God's armies. No wonder, therefore, that pride goes before destruction. Who can stand? Who can stand against the force of God? The reason that humility towards others in the community is so important is because this is an expression of humility towards God. When we obey the command to have humility, we're, we're expressing not only humility towards one another, but we're expressing humility towards God. Lord, I, I, you are the one who knows best. You know all things, and anything you command of me must be for my good and your glory, and therefore I will heed what you say no matter how much my flesh rails against it. God has placed believers into the community of faith under the authority of the elders to help us Live the Christian life the way God calls us to live the Christian life. To live a life of obedience to the Lord. To endure suffering, as we spoke of the last few weeks. To be equipped. To be equipped for the work of the ministry. We, we, we gather together and we fellowship and we pray with one another and we lift our voices to the Lord and we're taught God's word in order to be equipped to do what God calls us to do. And that is called ministry, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing. To arrogantly reject this command is to pick a fight with God. God. 
In contrast, Peter tells us that God gives grace to the humble. Grace means the favor and blessings of God. When we humble ourselves and obey God and subject ourselves to one another and to the elders of the church, it is God giving grace to us, his favor and blessings on us. The person who walks humbly before God, recognizing and acknowledging the value of others, receives blessings from God. Which, which, which would a sane person choose? Resist? Be prideful? Be disobedient? Resist the omnipotent, all-powerful God? Have him set his forces against you? Have him resist you? Or would you humble yourself and receive the blessings of God? Well, Peter gives us the answer of a sane person in a command. He says, humble yourselves, another imperative verb, humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God. Don't, don't resist God. Don't resist under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourselves. Receive grace, not opposition. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. There, Listen to me. There will be a day in which every single person that ever lived will know who has real value. All the perceived value that has, has, has been looked at you and judged by other people, there will be a day when Christ comes again and we will stand before the judgment and everyone will see the real value that exists and those who have it. And humility and pride will not be. Right? How someone perceives you is not going to be where the real value lies. Here's where the real value lies. God's judgment. And in Christ, we're righteous. And so there will be a time for vindication. There will be a time of exaltation where our true value in Christ will be not only perceived but known by all. But right now is the time to exercise humility. Humble yourselves. This is to be determined to exercise humility, to bring yourself into a right light of observation. To think of yourself not like the world trains us to, but the way the Bible trains us to and the way the Bible evaluates us. Listen, there is no greater title than to be called the sons of God. There's no greater title than to be called a child of God. There's no greater truth to know then that you've been adopted into the eternal family of God and you will be in eternity with Christ forevermore without sin and suffering and pain and you will know him and you'll experience him the way God intended. So to humble ourselves is to not only clothe ourselves with humility but it is to exercise humility and to bring our to bring our training, to train our minds to think of ourselves not as the world constantly tells us to think of ourselves, but as the Bible trains us to think of ourselves.
that is joint heirs with Christ. Why is it so important to humble ourselves? Because to the proud, the mighty hand of God means strength and power and sovereignty and control, warning and fear, anger and wrath, judgment and condemnation. But to the humble, the mighty hand of God also means strength and power, sovereignty and control, but it means salvation and security and care and protection and assurance and confidence. And so which one do we choose It causes, I think, in all of us, there are anxieties about perceived value. Isn't there? I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, there's anxieties within us of how we're going to be perceived by others. And because of that perception of others, then we could be treated in certain ways by others, right? But it's better to trust the omniscient, omniscient, omnipotent God who knows all. He knows the end from the beginning. He's ordained all things, right? It's better to trust him. And so Peter says, listen, any concerns you have, any worries you have, any doubts you have, bring them to God and cast them at his feet. And know this. This is the greatest truth that you can know. He cares for you. Which I think is pointing back to him being the great shepherd, the chief shepherd. Troubles in the church, God's in control. You don't have the best elders, God's in control. Elders, you don't have the best flock, God's in control. Church, are you in a context of history where you're being persecuted heavily? Listen, God is in control. And no matter what happens to you, there will be a day of reckoning where God exalts you and shows the world your true value in Jesus. So cast your cares on him, not to the world. Don't, don't give your cares and concerns to the world to deal with. Give them to the Lord. Because he cares for you. And there's no greater caretaker in the world, in the universe, than God. Because he is seated on his throne. And he does what he pleases in the heavens and on earth. And no one can stay his hand or has the right to say, what have you done? That's the God who cares for us and takes care of us, and holds us in his hand, and no one can snatch us out. Amen? Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for these truths, and we confess, Lord, that it is not an easy task to subject ourselves to authority. It is not an easy task to clothe ourselves with humility towards one another. But we do know this, that you know best. And you only command of us what is for our eternal good and our temporal good and your glory. And so there's faith 
There, there must be faith in order for us to want to obey this. There must be faith in uh, a, an eternity with Christ. There must be faith in the omniscience and omnipotence of God in Christ. There must be faith for us to want to obey this. There must be faith of a, of a greater future. There must be faith that you're working all things together for our good. There must be faith in order for us to obey this command. And so, Lord, I pray that we would, that we would learn, continue to learn to subject ourselves to the authorities that you've placed in our life and that you would help us clothe ourselves with humility towards one another to train our hearts and minds to evaluate ourselves and to find our value not in what the world says to find it, but in what the Bible says to find it, and that is to find it in Jesus Christ. And so we pray that you would bless these truths in our hearts and in our minds, and that you would work in us both to will and to do according to your good pleasure. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.